Okay, so oh, much better. Uh, so I have it set up now to play what's playing through my mic virtual device in my right ear all the time. So yes, I have a slight echo in my right ear, but I always know what's going over mic, uh, what, a virtual device called mic only, which actually isn't mic only because I put Reaper on it yesterday. Because <laughs> so. you're always adding stuff to it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. But here's a tip for people going into Zoom. So we're going to start this one off with some tips. So uh, when you go on Zoom, you may want to do a couple of things in your Zoom settings. Uh, one, have yourself be muted so that you can unmute yourself. Number two, if you do a lot of video meetings, which I don't find myself in many of those, but start with your camera off. And the reason you want to do this is occasionally you will join a Zoom meeting and you get that little screen where you're waiting to be let in or something. Mm-hmm. And you're over here talking crap. And then all of a sudden you're in the Zoom meeting and people hear you talking crap. Like, I really hate to be in this stupid freaking Zoom meeting, blah, blah, blah. You know, yada, yada, yada. And then they catch the, you know, I hate to be here sort of thing at the end. And then it's a very embarrassing moment. Save yourself the embarrassment. Uh, everybody knows everybody is used to the oh this person has to unmute themselves when they first come in like that that is a known quantity at this point similarly if you're expected to have video on again people are prepared to wait for that so make the people wait and make sure you don't have one of those embarrassing moments no this has not happened to me in real life because i am sometimes very smart and i thought he was going to say because you're like michael and come into a zoom meeting everyone's like hey voiceover how's it going so you want to take a minute to check your audio devices but you know embarrassing moments happen too that is also another reason that i didn't think about that is a good reason to do that if you're a screen reader user yeah yeah Uh, definitely you know it gives you an opportunity to verify that your voiceover or your audio is routed the way that you think it is or you're using the device that you think you are because it never i mean it it'll it'll stay enough to make you comfortable with it and then all of a sudden it's not the right device Uh and you're talking and nobody hears you you don't know why it's because it's picking up some random virtual device that you Mm -hmm. have set up i don't know like say audio hijack assistive stream uh which is how the people (laughs) in clubhouse are hearing us at the moment uh if there's anybody in the clubhouse is there anybody in the clubhouse the clubhouse i don't know why don't you thank our supporter while i look supporters (laughs) Yeah, I would like to thank our supporters. It's been a while since we've done a live show, too. Uh, But, yep, thanks to our supporters. Uh, We appreciate you. Uh, If you would like to become a supporter of the show, you can go to yourownpay.com slash. No, that is not where you need to go. Hold on. Where do you need to go? Do we have a link up there? We don't have a link up there, do we? Um, There'll be one there. Yeah. IACast.net slash plus will let people support us because our show is there and that if they also click the link in the show notes that says leave a tip yep so uh, yeah I have a technically working dot pinecast uh, autofill URL where does that take people just to the show probably if it doesn't start with tips.pinecast if it's technically working dot pinecast then that takes you to the show on pinecast Ah, okay. I was wondering why I was auto-filling one day. I was like, wait, 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 where in the world does this go? Yep. But we appreciate you listening as well. So thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, we are back kind of on a regular schedule, at least for right now. Uh, that is probably going to get turned upside down very quickly. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed the content that we pre-recorded. 
a couple of follows up. Well, one follow up, Mike, was there in, was there anyone in the clubhouse? No, (laughs) there was no members in the clubhouse. I shared the clubhouse with the technically working group. No, that's not the right name of the group, the technology (laughs) group that that we're part of. Oh, wait, hold on. I don't want to paste that link to you. (laughs) What, she might come in to clean feed then? No, it wasn't that link. It was uh, it's a link that Marty shared in a group thread that we're in, which is the one that you just shared the clubhouse mm-hmm. link in uh, about audio hijack now having transcriptions powered by whisper. I have not played with this yet, but I did just copy the link so I can go take a look at this because that is cool. Uh, speaking of whisper, I used Mac whisper here uh, a couple of days ago in a meeting that I had to try to record the Zoom conversation, right? Record mm-hmm. me and record the person that was in Zoom. Uh, one, it took a hell of a long time for it to transcribe my audio. Like, hmm. it took hours. Wow. That's disappointing. Which, you know, I am using a large model. So, to be fair about that, I'm not using a small one. Uh, but I wanted the best accuracy because the whole point or the whole purpose of me testing this is to get something very similar to what, you know, zoom is providing directly. I don't want to pay for it. So, uh, or Otter AI, which is also another one that's inside of zoom took forever, um, to transcribe the audio. And then it appeared to only have gotten my side of the conversation, which was also a little disappointing. Now, admittedly, I haven't done that in a while, so could totally be user error. But with uh, Audio Hijack adding this feature, I'm going to play around with that because it may work out even better. And it may be faster, too. And it may be faster. But you know what would really be faster is just a you know M3 uh, MacBook Pro, a 14-inch yeah. MacBook Pro with an M3 Max in it would, would have just you know crushed that. You know, took it five minutes. Uh, uh, someone's a bit wishful maybe you should go buy one to try it out and see how it works yeah so uh listen man uh it's been an okay year but it has not been that great of a year yeah yeah Yeah. i do want to briefly because everybody's talked about it but i want to briefly just kind of get our thoughts in or any any regular thoughts so just for people listening to uh to just to shout out we were on double tap across the pond i'm sorry that's not the name of that show uh, <laughs> but it may well have been because uh there was only one person from the uk there steven but we were on double tap on air uh what was that monday it would have been tuesday show yes it would have been tuesday because it was show. recorded on monday for tuesday yep. and the only reason i remember that is because i'm in the middle of listening to uh the the Saturday Express and Stephen kind of got tripped up for a second. He's like, Monday, no, that would have been Tuesday show. Ah, okay. So he did the same thing I did, which was like, this is when we actually recorded yep. this. Uh, but we were on, on Double Tap for the October 31st episode, um, talking about the Apple Scary Fast event that happened Monday night, the 30th. Um, it was myself, Michael, Janine Stanley. It was great to hang out with Janine. I had actually never really gotten a chance to talk to her and Stephen Scott. Uh, pretty good episode. I actually did not go back and listen to it, um, because I was on it and that's kind of the way that, that I operate. I know Michael probably listened. Did you listen to it? Yep. Yeah. I figured Mike listened to it because Mike listens for a couple of reasons. I don't think it's out of vanity though. I think it's partially to see, you know, how did this get edited? Cause he didn't edit yep. it. Uh, and you know, what, what things did he spot during the actual 
recording of the show that he may have done that, you know, may have cleaned up or, you know, how, how, how was it edited basically is the point. I do not go back and listen to it because I don't want to hear myself. Uh, I also found that I pick up a little more when I go back and listen. Uh, for example, I, I got more out of Janine and your and Steven's conversation related to it. Granted, uh, unless you listen to technically, technically working, you may not know this, but I was very distracted that night. Like I was late to the event. There was a lot of stuff going on. So I did miss some stuff on that episode while it was being recorded. So I went back just to listen to it too. Oh, good deal. See, I always feel like I have a, you know, I remember everything exactly. So I didn't need to go back and listen to it at all. Uh, <laughs> but also because I was on it. Like if yeah. I had have been present while they recorded, but not on the show, I probably would have listened. Mm. Uh, but that's a weird dynamic. You know, people like listening. Some people like listening to the show because they like our voice. I don't want to listen to a show that I'm on because I don't want to hear my voice. <laughs> hear it in my head all day long. I don't, I don't, that's, there's, that's enough. Uh, but I did want to follow up or see if you had any, any more thoughts since there's been more news out about uh, the event. Uh, quick summary for people if, in case you aren't inclined to go back and listen to it. Apple had a 30 minute event. It was like 30 minutes and some seconds. Like it was very yeah. tight, very yeah. tightly done. Now it was pre recorded, so obviously they, could, they were able to edit, but it was very dense. Um, they did announce the M3 lineup of chips. Uh, so M3 Basic, M3 Pro, and M3 Max. And those go into uh, 14 inch and 16 inch MacBook Pros and a new 20 or updated uh, 24 inch iMac. So they bumped the chip in the iMac, which was still on the M1. No USB C peripherals were released and they're still not out there. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. And that was the event. That was it. It was all over. Yep. I was a little underwhelmed personally, but I mean, I get why there was, uh, I get why there's excitement because this is the first time Apple's announced all chips in one sitting. Is that right? It's the first time they've announced those chips like that. Yes. Uh, there's still expectation of an ultra, you know, being out there at some point uh, for the studio and the Mac pro. Uh, but yes, the first time they usually the, the cycle has tended to be the, base level chip first and then there's a follow-up event later on or a follow-up release of the 14 and 16 inch macbook pros with the uh, pro and max chips available in them so it is the first time they've done that i was go ahead you had an interesting theory about why apple had this event do you remember what you had said i'm pretty sure it was you that said it so my one one theory I came up with kind of off the top of my head is um so and I don't remember I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to get part of this wrong because I, I wasn't paying attention because I kind of don't care, to be honest. But either NVIDIA or AMD or one of the other chip makers, uh, one of the other, you know, CPU makers had an event about a week before that talking about their new ARM chips. And they were comparing it to the M2 because that was the current chip at the time. And they were kind of, you know, I don't really know the specs, but I know they were beating out the M2 in some in some testing, right? Which seems reasonable. Their chip is a year or so newer than the M2. So seems perfectly reasonable to me. However, I was like, well, Apple put this event together because they knew that was going to happen. And they were like, yeah, hold my beer, 
right? <laughs> you know, they wanted to get the, like, not that people were going to just, oh, well, oh, they're doing this. Let me go buy that because you can only get a Mac, you know, you know, if you're buying a Mac, you're getting whatever M chip they're putting in the Mac. But it was more so like, hey, yeah, sure. You're, you're, you're beating our chip, but look what we just did to our own chip too. Like, you know, again, <laughs> hold my beer, right? You know, sit there, hold on for a second because I got something for you. So I think that was a part of it. I uh, also think that they wanted to get these chips out in front of people uh, because it, they did have a new process. Like this is all on the three nanometer process from TSMC. I'm not going to even attempt to get into explaining the difference in nanometer and processes. Uh, there's plenty of good shows out there to explain that. Um, however, it was also the first time they were able to do what they did, which is what you brought up, being able to, you know, release all basically the three chips that most people are going to care about uh, all at once. Yes. Uh, there's still expectation. We don't know for sure. Just expectation based on previous patterns. We will see an ultra uh, for the studio and for the Mac Pro. Uh, but there's also a possibility they could do something entirely different because one thing that I noticed and I didn't quite catch it as much during the event um but there is quite a so the m1 and m2 pro and max chips when they were announced and released and by all perform specs the pro seemed to be the cut down version of the max and what they call this process is bending right so you have a chip and let's say you want the yield to be 16 good cores of processor you know 16 good processor cores and 40 gpu cores on a chip well let's say on one series you know one batch of chips you only have 12 cores that are actually working instead of trashing that chip they made that the pro chip right um so they're not throwing away chips. It's just, well, this didn't meet the specifications to be a max, but we do have enough working parts to make it a pro. So that kind of seemed like what they were doing with the M1 and the M2. In this event, there is a clear separation between the pro and the max chip. Like it's not like the Mac, the pro is a little, uh, hold on one sec, because clean feet just reminded me of something very important. <laughs> Markers? Marker. What about, what about markers? There's a button that says markers. Hold on, let me save first before I do a thing. I bet they're not the markers we hold want. Hold on. Oh, hold on, man. <laughs> shh, 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 shh. Quiet down. Quiet down. Because I just hit a button that said markers. Okay. Now, markers, let me hit this. Oh. Lord, I'm gonna paste this in messages. What it just said to me. I got the welcome to recording markers. They'll be saved as part of the multi-track recording. Drag to move the presets. Press and hold the name to change it to CR guide. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Yeah. Huh. I now is there like an add marker button? Hold on. I'm, I'm, let me first start uh. recording this clips track. And go back up here to markers. Now, where did they put this? Oh, hold on. This markers. Okay. Mark. Oh, so it's probably Mark. Okay. So I see list markers. Mark. Mark in. Mark out. Take. Edit. Add note. 
So this actually looks a little bit more full featured than what I was even asking for, because it's not just drop a marker. It's like if you need to cut out a section, this would be a way to do it as well. And we're back to our regularly scheduled show. Uh, excitement all over. You, you I, should be live with us if you wanted the excitement. <laughs> <laughs> that really wasn't that exciting. It I was mean, just a little silent. I don't know, I mean, man. Well, we we got excited, but the live stream wasn't too exciting. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't very quickly get voice over the route uh, yeah. while I was trying to figure out how to make this work. Uh, but, yeah, this this is this – is, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Is all I'm going to say. Clean feet. We appreciate it. Since you're yeah. apparently listening. Well, to we think we appreciate it. I mean, they're going to put them in your multi-track recording. We'll see how they behave in Reaper. But hey, True. at least you started something. It may not be exactly right. We'll find out. But hey, you started it. There's a button and there. And Reaper Seven is. I like Reaper Seven. I'm happy with it. But it but is a little. You can hate it. <laughs> yeah. No. no. What I hate about it is you can't nudge audio. Wait. What? Yeah, when you nudge audio and you tell it nudge right, it doesn't move the audio. Hmm. That could be an Osara thing. I was going to say, I wonder if that's an Osara issue. And I honestly need to look into it. Uh, But there's there's a little bit of differences. I like Reaper 7, though. I need to play with, I don't know if you saw this, but you can now have multiple key maps in Reaper. So you can switch between key maps. So let's see, you mostly do podcast editing, but every once in a while you do music editing or something like that. You can change those uh, keyboard shortcuts and then just swap to the music editing oh. and still use your muscle memory, but perform the other actions you need to perform. That's nice. That is very nice. Yeah, I have to play around with Reaper 7. I did go ahead and do my upgrade, though. So you know. Oh, you had to that. buy an upgrade? Uh, yeah, because I bought back okay. on version five. So, oh, I, I bought six. I'm like, why didn't I have to upgrade? But I bought on version six, like, yeah, I actually I, paid for it. Yeah, I bought on version five, so I had to pay for an upgrade. Because if but, you didn't know, you can use Reaper Trial forever. Uh, it's just you can, you can, um, yeah. So if you're getting into Reaper, um, I I think, and I think that's a reasonable thing that they do. It's also Mm -hmm. a reason why I didn't really hesitate to give them money because one, I've gotten a lot of use out of Reaper. I bought it, you know, way back early version five too. It was like, you know, very early days of version five is when I bought it. But I also know that it's something I'm going to use. And I like the fact that when you're so for people, especially I will say for anybody really, but especially for a screen reader user, when you're trying to learn how to use Reaper, not having that real pressure of having to pay for a piece of software that you're not sure you're actually going to continue to use is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yep. there's a tip. Now, don't abuse it because, you know. That's that's when they take away nice. That's things. how we lose nice things. Uh, so it is there if you're especially if you're learning. Stephen, talking to you, man, you don't have to go drop your money on it right now, especially since you're trying to go buy a black MacBook. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's the other thing. They <laughs> colors. They got colors of the MacBook. Uh, there's one called Space Black, and yeah. immediately I was like, oh yeah, I need this right now <laughs> in my life. No, no particular reason, just but it's Space Black. So not having a fan on a laptop is somewhat of a crunch. I, I realize is. that. It um, is, yes. So that, when, that is a thing. When we're trying to render projects with isotope plugins on uh-huh. them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and now that I have a 15 Pro Max, like I think I'm going to start doing some more. So, well, I'll talk to you about that off 
yeah air uh but i'm probably going to start doing some more video even though it's smaller video stuff but yeah uh not having a fan does does actually have a negative effect um to finish up on the mac on the mac event really quickly though um one i think there's clear separation that the max chip the max version of the m3 is seriously separated it's kind of like now we're at a level where we have like the the base level chip which is the m3 that's currently in the 14 inch pro uh side note we didn't know this when we recorded double tap uh but that 14 inch with the m3 only they took a port out of that one Mm, yeah uh that didn't occur to me when we were recording uh, but the base level, ch- and they could have, you know, of course, have possibly changed this as well. So it wouldn't have occurred to anybody to think about it. But the M3 apparently continues on with the M1 and M2 base level chips where it can only support two Thunderbolt lanes. So you only got two ports on that computer. There's not a third port on the opposite side. So there's two ports on one side, no port on the other side. You still get your HDMI and your SD card slot, though. Uh, you still keep the amazing screen that it has, apparently. Which nobody needs that's blind, apparently. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. We ain't doing it. We ain't even doing it. Uh, <laughs> go listen to Double Tap. Uh, yes. We, we ain't even going down that path. Uh, but to finish up with that, I, I, I feel like the M3 and the M3 Pro are kind of right there together, sort of like a, you know, they're closer together as chips. It's like, oh, you know, if you just need some base level performance or you want a nice laptop, and this is probably going airs at some point in the future as well. Um, the M3 is a thing for you. If you need to do a little bit more, uh, the M3 Pro is there for you. If you're really on the higher end is when you start looking at the Max, which does lead me to potentially think, even though it may not be with the M3 series of chips, uh, we could see something higher than an Ultra, or hmm. we could see major significant changes to the architecture and performance of the Ultra chip when that is released because they have really set a a hard bar between the pro and the max chips on a side note for you too because we were talking about this uh so stephen hackett from relay has a 14 i think it's a 14 inch pro uh here's one of the macbook pros 14 or 16 inch one of them i think it's a 14 mm-hmm. inch but he only got the pro chip he got the high you know the the as far as you can go pro chip in his m1 i think or m2 macbook pro but he stuck with the pro chip he actually did not go up to the max man you were talking about what we would want to get if we were going to upgrade to one of these and mm. uh we initially immediately came out of the gate with yeah i need the pro max i mean i need the max chip uh for sure gotta have that uh and i'm not saying that i don't want to have that but I could go for a 14-inch Pro, Space Black, of course, um, with the Pro chip and 96 gigs of RAM. <laughs> now, to be fair, the only reason I say 96 because the only other option I would have would be 36. You can't mm. do 60. Their, their, their SKUs are really weird this year with RAM based off the model chip that you pick. So... With the Pro chip, you only get 36 or 96 gigs of RAM. With the Max chip, you can get 48, and depending on whether you get the lower 
max or the high end, the the, the maxed out max. This is too much max. <laughs> uh, you have an option for sixty four right there in the middle, or you go from you know it it is is weird. It is very yeah. weirdly laid out. But anyway, that's the Apple event. Um, yep. fun. I need to do some more voiceover work and audio editing before I buy one. So if you need audio editing or voiceover work, reach out to me, Michael at Payone.media. <laughs> there you go, or go to Payone Media, Payone.media slash. And there's a contact form there. Okay, well, there you go. He has I think contact. it's slash contact, but I'm not 100% sure. Just go to payon.media yeah. or send an email to michael at payon.media. And that's P-A-Y-O-W-N dot M-E-D-I-A. There's no dot com on the end of that. All right. Yeah, don't Just add dot com. Follow dot media dot com. Would be nice. Probably sell it to somebody at this point, though. Probably. <laughs> Major money. Um yeah, and also um, prices just went up. Just saying. <laughs> Media dot com. Publish your truth. I, I'm not. I'm not sure what I think. That that about scares that. me a I, little I, bit. <laughs> that scares me just a little bit. Take control of your reputation. Respond to misinformation. Tell your story free from interference. I'm. I'm not. Anyways, so uh, do, do you have uh, uh, some things to bring up, Demasi, today? So, me and you were talking about um, storage documents, place to store stuff, keeping track oh, of yeah. information. And you've been looking at Devon Thing. I, of course, have been using Devon Thing for what feels like about 10 years now, I think. Um, so, hold on. Hold on. Because I got to do this just because I can't. All right, boom. Now we're talking about Devin thinking, note-taking. All right, boom. Dropped a marker right there. <laughs> uh, so I haven't actually looked at Devin Think. Like I've, I, let me rephrase that. I looked at Devin Think by installing it on a MacBook. I don't even. I think it's this one. Yeah, I installed it on Probably the one on that, that I'm on right now. Before you wiped it. Yep. And then I wiped it, and I haven't really done much looking at it since then michael doys on the other hand has been looking at devon thinking he's pretty happy with it so he he really appreciates the fact that we shared it and uh is thankful for the fact that we want him to spend money on devon think i mean i don't i don't get an affiliate link for that but uh the the other thing about devon think is it i think it might do what i want it to do so here's what i want to do i am i'm involved in i think five different affiliates uh, right now, some of those affiliates I have more involvement in, but all of those affiliates I'm doing something with their web page. Um, and so right now I have a Dropbox folder that says ACB affiliate work. And inside of that, I have the five different affiliates that I'm involved in. And then inside of that, I have, uh, you know, the, the documents or web information. That's where, where I think the things start to, breakdown is I don't want to just have one folder with everything in it. I think, I think I don't, I need to, to really no, think about that. You, you, you don't, you, you don't want. So first off, when it comes to file structure, this is, and I, it, it can be a pain in the neck. I know, but uh, so in sync for me right now, I have a folder called customers because mm. I had one called clients and I don't know what happened to it. Uh, well, I do know what happened to it now. Uh, thanks for doing some work, helping a actual client figure out a situation. But anyway, there's a folder called customers in that folder are subfolders for each company or person that I work with. 
titled after their company or their name. Mm-hmm. And then even inside of those folders, some of them have, have subfolders inside of them. Some of them don't. It depends on the work that I'm doing for them and how much information needs to go there, uh, et cetera. But even though that is a process to go build out a structure when I get mm-hmm. a new customer, I don't want just a customer's folder and things titled, you know, pay on media, uh, XYZ and, uh, Acme corporation, XYZ, you know, document trying to, so having those different subfolders makes a lot of sense, right? Because you keep everybody's work separate. Also, another benefit to that, that you may not think about and you may or may not ever even encounter this situation where you need to do this, whether it's sharing with someone from that company or sharing with someone like a virtual assistant or a contractor that you bring on, you can share that individual folder that they need access to and not let them see other people's stuff. So I think I may have misspoken or you misunderstood what I was saying because I have each affiliate as their own folder inside of a ACB folder itself. It mm-hmm. was, do I need to make a subfolder inside of those affiliate ah. things or just put everything? And that's where the breakdown comes to me is, do I want to have an important document inside of this affiliate or vice versa. Now, if I'm involved in multiple chapters inside of an affiliate, each of those chapters do have their own, uh, in theory, should have their own folders <laughs> right now. Uh, that's only one. Uh, I need to remember to 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 make sure that that happens uh, because, yeah, there's, there's a lot that goes into some of that. And then we're playing with this CRM tool and I'm like, how much, how much of the information am I keeping in my Dropbox folder? Could I be keeping in the WordPress database too? Yeah, that, that is, um, so I, I, I kind of take that subfolders inside of the, the actual company folder on a case by case basis. Some have them, some don't. Um, it just depends on where, where that separation line needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll give you an example. One, in one case, all I have from this, this customer is, uh, information that needs to be put on a web page or mm-hmm. how they want a product to be laid out. It's like three or four documents. I'm not going to make a cell folder for that because I don't even really know what to title it. Right. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I have a customer that I have several subfolders <laughs> for them because I have uh, legal documents for them. I have uh, their customer information, like their customers' information uh, in yeah. some instances. So that's stored separately, uh, things like that. So uh, I, that's where I think it, it just kind of depends. Here's how, and you can use Devin. So Devin, Devin think is, is extraordinarily flexible, uh, and how you use it and what you choose to use it for. And with the ability to have multiple databases, uh, first and foremost there, uh, and then, you know, sub, well, well not subfolders. Uh, I think about them as subfolders. They call them groups, uh, with, mm. with groups and tags and things like that. You can do a lot of separation in there. Where I have found Devin think to be useful for me in my usage of it is stuff that I need to refer to back that I don't need immediately. So let's say I wouldn't take this customer's uh, website page, landing page copy and put it in Devin think. What I might take, though, is the document that they share with me that has all of their business information in case I ever have to fill out something on their behalf. Uh, 
Okay. Or in the case of the programming database I have, like I have a lot of stuff clipped in there. Uh, I have some snippets I've copied or snippets I've managed to put together and, and save those. And there are links to articles that explain how to do things. Because when I need to figure out how to do something I know I've done before and I just don't remember, I'll go to Devin thing instead of trying to search the Internet again, because who <laughs> knows what I search for uh, mm-hmm. when I found it. Or how I got there. It's like, you know, this took me a while to locate this. I'm going to, you know, clip a, either make a bookmark to this in DevonThink or just save the whole web page offline in case this person's site, you know, ever disappears. Because you know, there's nothing worse than clicking on a link that has the information you know you need. Oh, yeah, I remember reading this guy's site. And you click the link and you either get a 404, which means the page ain't there, or you get a Safari cannot find this server. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So web archives are great. Uh, I also have a DevonThink database that I have not updated here recently because I haven't been as diligent about doing this. That has a lot of manuals for products I have bought. Um, I do know I have. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's on a whole separate database. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that has the PDF manual for the freezer uh, that we got. A um, couple other things. I, I don't remember what else is in there. Right. The but then you can just go search for the item if you need to pull that manual. That way you don't have to go stumble through the web page again on the support page for that specific freezer. Or more importantly, remember, what model of washer do I have? Right. That is the important part is like, which Samsung TV do I have? Yeah. I don't remember. I can't tell you which one it is right now. I have no idea. Um. So I use it for things like that. Now, there are people who use it in ways when they're doing research, like they'll have a database or or a folder inside of a database that they're using a group, excuse me, inside of a database that they're using uh, when they're researching a topic. So, you know, uh, what a lot of people may use notes for. And here's Mm -hmm. the interesting kind of cross point here to me. I started using DevonThink before notes on Apple was notes. Uh, the way it is today. If the notes app from Apple was what it is today, 10 years ago, I may not, I'm not saying for sure, but I, I think it's highly likely that I may not have been using Devin think. I think that would come down to how reliable and flexible the search is. Cause that's what I read about every time I look up Devon think or start to go down that path is how powerful being able to retrieve information is. And I don't know anything about note search. I don't yeah, really know I, much. I, I about don't either. Notes. I don't know much <laughs> about notes either other than I have a couple of things in there. And sometimes I go in there and look for stuff, uh, but I haven't really used it for searching a lot. And yeah, Devon thing was talking to, you know, AI assistive search, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So, yeah. you know, take that Google. So I may, I may play with notes because the other problem that I have to solve is I don't want to give one password money. I have nothing against one password. I'm just, well, I don't know. I might give one password money. So iCloud keychains working great for me. Everything's working well, except for when I get to a point where I need to uh, fill in a password. I've got to find that more options and choose. I will make my own password, especially when it's like a WordPress install and I'm just doing a base install on uh, the computer and I I don't really care what the password is because it's going to get reset when I import a database. Um, and, And... the other thing is, is, and this has been re-emphasized to me 
multiple times over the last couple of weeks with all the resets I've done, I don't have a reliable place to store or retrieve my license keys. And that's kind of been a pain because, and maybe that's the answer to that is a no, I don't, I don't know yet. And I need to, to consider that and figure that out because for example, uh, I've gone to macaudio.net and reset my, or resent my passcodes because, or my, my, uh, licenses because I don't have a place to find them. And then I remember, oh, they're in 1Password. And so I do still have 1Password as well installed. I'm just not actively using it. Yeah, that that is one of the... So I said this before, and I, I will reiterate this fact. I have a lot of problems with 1Password. A lot of issues with 1Password. For example, I can't use their password, the 1Password extension in Safari on the Mac mm. because mm. it just gets in the way of every edit field I drop into. Um, I want to use it because when I do actually use it, it's nice, but it gets in the way. All it, the it, it creates problems. It's, it's, it's like having a website that has one of those carousels on it, and every time the carousel changes, they trigger a ARIA announcement. That gets read out, so you can't yep. even read the page because mm-hmm. every few sentences you read is, oh, yeah, I found this product to be amazing. This company mm-hmm. is one of the best in the world. It's like, would you shut up so I can read about it myself? I don't yeah. even know what you do yet because I can't get anywhere. It's kind of how 1Password acts with any kind of edit field, just about any edit field you come across in Safari. Now, I will say in Edge and in Chrome right now, the 1Password apps installed in those browsers is pretty decent. Uh, I, I even have the ability, Mike, in Chrome or Edge to actually fill a credit card in, like not wow. have to co- copy and paste stuff. Like it's, it's amazing. Awesome. Right. Remember, we could do that a couple of years ago with no problem with 1Password. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you yep. know. I miss 1Password 7. I like 1Password <sighs> Me 7. Me too. Me too. Like I, if it still worked everywhere the way I needed it to, I would still be on that version. Yeah. But, you know. And I'm the type of person who wants the newest, latest, greatest things, but maybe it's just old age, but uh, old age no. at 35. But, you know, <laughs> I, I miss 1Password 7 and yeah. It, it was much slicker. There's some stuff about 1Password 8 that I like. Uh, for example, the integration with Terminal is amazing. That never was there with 1Password 7. So I have uh, SSH keys and I'm a weirdo probably uh, because I have... I have a SS, I have an SSH. Let me start that over. Mark. <laughs> oh, man. No, I need, to, I need to set a, I need to. Set a hot spot. Uh-huh. Stephen blew my mind the other day because he was telling me how you can set hot spots or use activities to set hotspots. And I didn't even think about that. So let's say you switch over to Good Timer, for example. Then your hotspot is always the, the, Number one, if that's what you set it to, and then you can go set hotspots in other applications. The only thing I haven't played with is a feature I use with Good Timer and hotspots is I will watch a hotspot or I'll, I'll uh, read a hotspot. I think it's VO command and then the hotspot number. It is VO command one will describe the hotspot in number one. So that tells me when I'm in drafts reading my notes for Kelly and Romeo that, oh, you've got three minutes left because I just did VO command one and I can hear how much time is left. That's why I love that good timer app. 
And that's the app Steven is using too, right? Yeah. 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 So when we were recording the show, like he, he, uh, it, it was very professional. And like, I was like, ah, I know he has a timer over there, uh, for, for the little break in the middle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, like he yeah. hit it so perfectly in the way he did it. But I was like, oh yeah, cause he's got a timer over there. He really isn't just thinking this in his head. Otherwise he would have talked for two hours before. He, oh, we didn't take a break. The first time I hosted on September 8th with Sean, I'm like, okay, this is great. You know, um, no, I think it was even before I hosted. It was before I hosted like the week before I'm, I, I messaged Stephen. I'm like, all right, so what do you use to keep track of time? Because I know I won't keep track of time. So what tools do you use? Do you just set a timer on your, it was, it was after that recording because what I did is set a timer on my Apple watch and that's super clunky like that's nice and it works but i had to ask him what is it that you use and good timer worth the four bucks i spent on it for sure yeah so what i was saying is i had to remember what i was saying so there are some features i do like about one password eight uh as they continue building on this platform the integration with terminal is awesome because i have a ssh key that is stored in one password and I can use that key to authenticate just by using my fingerprint uh, when I need to, you know, commit or send a, you know, commit a uh, git, uh, mm-hmm. making a git commit. Right. So because I sign my commit so that, you know, people at some point in the future or. Yeah, well, at some point in the future, because they definitely can't do it in the past, uh, we'll know that I, you know, verified I, I actually signed that commit like nobody else had access to my computer or whatever. Um, or from, you know, connecting to a, a server, there's another SSH key that is there for that. The reason I said I'm probably a weirdo is because I also have like a, a super secret master uh, SSH key that like I guard that like they probably guard Fort Knox. Like it, it is on this computer, but if I need to move it, I will move that on a flash drive or on an external drive. Like I will not put that key, that private key in the cloud. Mm. And that is like my, you know, access as a root user to a server and yeah one password is great i started doing this before one password had it so i had one key that's like okay i'll move this one around you know fairly you know easily one password did have support for storing keys uh before they offered the integration with the terminal uh and the ssh agent uh but this one key is like if i need to go in and do something like i actually had to use this key the other day to get into a server to reset the Let's Encrypt certificate or update the Let's Encrypt. He knew the Let's Encrypt certificate for uh, yourownpay.com, right? That key, because that's the root level user. Now, if I just were signing into your site, you know, connecting to your site, uh, to your own pay directly as a standard SSH connection or F, you know, SFTP connection, I used to key this in one password because with uh, spin up WP, which is what I'm using for the servers that your site is on, that several sites are on, uh, I can give you SSH access to your server, right? And you're isolated mm-hmm. from every other site on that server, but you're also not a root user at that point. Uh, for me to connect as a root user is where that, that, that pseudo key uh, yeah. is, comes in yeah. at. So I like that feature. Uh, there's other stuff they're doing that I'm going to start making use of that, that integrates with being able to keep my secrets, you know, API keys, for example, stored in one password, but have them populated when needed 
Uh, they can be retrieved and used without me writing them somewhere in a text file on my computer. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff they're doing for developers that I really like. There's a lot of integrations they have that if you're in certain scenarios, makes a lot of sense. They have an integration with FastMail where they could use FastMail's ability to generate random emails for you, kind of like what iCloud does with the random emails. You could do that with FastMail. You could use 1Password to generate those. If you, for example, are using privacy.com, uh, to generate virtual cards so you don't have to give out your your debit card number. Uh, it integrates with that. They're doing great stuff with what they're doing. Uh, but it is a little irritating to deal with some of the accessibility struggles of the app. Um, I'm going to share the fact, even though I feel like it kind of makes me look like a dummy, that it only recently occurred to me that a lot of these um, Electron apps on the Mac are like web pages. So why don't I use some of the web navigation commands I use? Like, you know, the links list or the, you know, the, the, like, why don't, why am I making this so difficult? Right? <laughs> why am I not using these commands? I, this probably two weeks ago that it actually hit. I've done it in a couple of places, but it wasn't a consistent thought of like, oh, treat it like you're on the web and it makes your navigation quicker. I get around one password eight a whole lot faster on the Mac than I used to now. Uh, thanks to that, but it is still rough uh, in, in a lot of areas when it comes to accessibility. There, there's still weird things that go on, and there's also the problem that, you know, the Mac is slightly broken. Not That's, the Mac. Man, not, not the Mac. The Mac. No. <laughs> uh, but for, I, I would say for license keys, notes is an option. Uh, Bitwarden is an option. Bitwarden doesn't actually have software keys. Oh. So you kind of have to hack oh. it. Okay. That's one of the reasons I didn't move when I first looked at it. Among mm-hmm. There's a couple others, but that's one of the reasons that I didn't make the jump over there myself is because I have, I don't know, years worth of licenses and one password, and it's just automatic at this point. Uh, notes is a solution. You could also search your email, which is what I hear a lot of people do, because you got a receipt with your license yeah. key in it probably. You didn't yeah. think about it. I, I didn't think about searching email, which is really funny because sometimes I'll go to Gmail and just search that email right there. I need to play with Outlook on the Mac. Um, quick side note, because, yeah, they were talking about that on one of the recent Double Taps, and I'm like, I have not installed Outlook because my experience with Outlook in the past was horrible. So uh, so I'm yeah. internally scarred by Outlook, and I refuse to take a look at it at all. <laughs> I don't care how good or bad it may be. I, I absolutely refuse. Somebody will have to pay me in order for me to use Outlook. It's and not an insignificant it. amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be on salary. Uh, he needs to be able to afford that, that uh, uh, black I need, MacBook. I, I need six weeks of vacation. Um, like, yeah, there, there's a whole package in here. Um, yeah, for me to use. And it's just because of my experience with Outlook in the past on Windows, not the Mac. I've never mm-hmm. used it on the Mac. Uh, was just so horrible. Like, and, and what burned me with Outlook back in the day is, and it happened several times and it wasn't me doing weird stuff to my computer. Um, cause I wasn't doing weird stuff to that particular computer. That was actually a, a, a work only type computer for me. Uh, the desktop that was in the corner was the one I was doing weird stuff on. Uh, shout out to the Pirate Bay. <laughs> um, but the pro, and it may not work like this anymore. I have no idea how it works. But back then, you would have those little profile files mm-hmm. uh, yep. that held your information. And if yep. one of those got corrupted, you were basically hosed. 
Yep. And it happened one too many times to me. Once was enough. The second time, I was like, man, screw this Outlook. I am going back. Because it was after Outlook Express had gone away. Right? I was like, oh, I got access to Outlook. I'll just use Outlook. It gives me my calendar and all of that stuff right in here. This is great. You know, it's cool. You know, it was kind of difficult to navigate. But okay, I figured that out. and was working with it on uh, Vista, I think it was. And, um, yeah, the second time that that little file was damaged, it was like, we can't access your account because this file is damaged. And it was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. I wanted to like Outlook, but to me, it was just too much of a clunky experience. Um, Maybe I didn't give it enough time, but when I was doing KinderCare, uh, that's all we used was Outlook. Well, not all we used, but one of the major tools we used was Outlook. And and it was just a clunky experience. Yeah. it, It, to me, Outlook feels very much like some of the stuff that Google does. It feels very much like Gmail on the web in a lot of ways. Like they're stuffing, they're trying to stuff too much stuff in it because they know you're going to go check your email. Like we know you got to check your email. because <laughs> You can't get away from it. You have to check it. So let's shove Google meeting here for you. Yeah. And let's shove <laughs> Google chat in here too. And, um, Oh, yeah, we're going to add a sidebar for your task in here, too. We're going to give you spaces, whatever the hell that is. Uh Yeah, Yeah. they're just going to keep shoving stuff because you have to go check your email, right? And I feel like it's kind of like that. I think the difference is Google is trying to get you to use their products because they're there. And I think Microsoft comes from a legacy of trying to build an application that gave enterprise folks everything they needed which was your the the ability to get an email from like this is probably how this got started for outlook i get an email from mike and says hey are you able to make this uh meeting uh next wednesday at two o'clock right Mm -hmm. and i could you know look at my calendar from right there where i'm at and be like oh yeah next wednesday at two o'clock is open for me and i can just reply to mike and say yes and set up the meeting right then and, and set up the meeting all yep. in one yeah yeah so uh, but it's gotten out of hand heard want to talk about that a little bit i heard <laughs> <laughs> that i have gotten out of control with these damn wordpress sites <laughs> i heard uh yeah man so heard we're gonna review a little bit for people just in case you just started listening hey welcome if you just started listening and if you forgot what we talked about last week don't don't worry because so do i and i actually said it so heard is an application it's a recent fairly recent release uh from laravel and a company called beyond code it's collaboration and it was intent it was built and designed for laravel local laravel uh, development, but it'll work with any PHP framework, which WordPress falls in that category, as well as static HTML, I believe, as well. Let's you set up local environments on your computer and run them and test things and build things and you know all of that. And Michael, I encourage Michael to actually try this out over what I had been using, which was uh, Laravel Valet, because Herd brought all of the tools, including PHP, along with it, and you didn't have to go install anything else uh, in order to get it to work, uh, is my understanding. I also have it installed, but I've also been encountering some issues, but I think I know what my issues are due to. But Mike's been playing with it, and yeah. what's been going on, man? How, how, yeah. how, how has it been, first off? It was really simple to get set up uh, fully. I haven't had any accessibility challenges. There's one place where I think I'm supposed to be able to do something, but honestly, I don't 
I don't need to worry about that in the interface. Um, I set it up, followed the directions. Then I went to the herd folder, which is in my home directory, created directories for each of the sites I wanted to work on, and then went into those sites. By the way, WPCLI is amazing. Brew install WP-CLI. And I uh, downloaded the core module or the, the core WordPress, got those all set up. And then I had ChatGPT teach me my SQL because I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. Like, I, I'm not sure. There is a, a app that they have for my SQL database management. I'm like, uh, I think it's going to be easier for me to just type the commands. Not that the app wasn't accessible, but I feel if I have to type the stuff and get familiar with the process of, of creating a database, then creating a user, then granting the privileges to that uh, user to that database, and then flushing those those privileges. If I get into those four steps in the habit of doing those, then at some point, maybe I'll look at this other tool to simplify my life. But I looked at this other tool, and I'm like, I don't know what to even do here. What do you mean go make a database? And I didn't understand that concept right away. Uh, I mean, I kind of did, but you get what I'm saying. And so that's been pretty nice. Got it all set up. Uh, and then Demasi taught me the magic command herd space secure. So you can make your uh, website secure. And that's just cool to see that happen. Why can't Let's Encrypt generate a one year SSL certificate? Just saying. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's that. I'm, I'm kind of happy with it. I'm building some local sites. Um, Demasi got me a database for a site. I, I think it's Oregon, but I'm not certain because I don't remember which one I asked him for. Uh, but he got me a database for a site, so I'm going to go experiment at some point, um, maybe tonight or tomorrow, probably tomorrow, uh, with bringing that database into a local site, making changes on the site, and then reaching out to Demasi because he has it all put together in a different way and saying, all right, now how do I bring this from my local site to the live site? How about that answer? <laughs> Uh, but for every other site, uh, well, all the other sites that I'm pretty much managing, it's just a use of an amazing tool. If you haven't used it, you should. WPDB Migrate Pro, I think is the name of it. And that tool is awesome to, to pull a site or to push a site or to just bring in a database. Yeah, until they re-architect WordPress and there's different tools out there to attempt to do this, but until they re-architect WordPress to be, and this may never happen. Like it, it may be too late. It may not be possible. I hold out hope for WordPress seven though. Uh, until they re-architect it to kind of work in the way that Laravel and some other more modern frameworks behave. Uh, WP migrate DB pro is uh essential if you do any kind of wordpress development um, i'm just gonna say that it, it's not cheap uh, they do have several pricing tiers now so depending on the number of sites you need it, it's actually a little easier to get into uh than what i'm paying for it right now but it is priceless the 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 functionality there the ability to move an entire database do the rewrites pull media if you've added new media or if you're you know whichever way you're going being able to pull media pull the plugins that are on that site pull the themes all of that stuff uh and the ability to in my case in a lot of instances i will update a production site with specific very specific changes in the database 
and I can exclude things like the post table and the users table mm. from that migration because I don't want to overwrite that data because I don't have that data locally or that data could have changed since I needed to go in and, you know, do some gravity form stuff, for example, or do some WooCommerce stuff to the site. Uh, you, you can selectively move specific tables over instead of just the entire database, which saves you from, you know, uh, overwriting somebody's data and like, oh, well, what happened to my user account? Sorry. Or what happened to the form entries that I know I got two uh -huh. days ago because I got the email notification, but I don't see them in the admin. But they're not dashboard. in the admin area. Uh -huh. Yep. 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 So yeah, that's me with Herd. Uh, really like it. If you want to learn PHP and you you think, hey, I really want to get comfortable with learning PHP or just experiment with it, I, I highly recommend uh, checking out Herd because it is the most simplest way to get a PHP development environment set up and working. And really, it's it's just fairly like I'm 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 uh motivated i probably won't do it right now but maybe after the holidays i am motivated to go grab a php book or a, a wordpress plugins book to to tinker around because i think i told demasi this the other day i want to go break something i want to figure out how i broke it and then what i need to do to not break it in the future but i don't want to break something on the live environment and Unless I'm misunderstanding, uh, I can break something on my payonmedia.test site, and that's not going to impact my your own pay.test site. And .test is the extension that Herd uses. So how it works is you create a folder in your Herd directory under your home directory. The name of that folder becomes the URL. I don't know how spaces work, and Demasi may have that answer. So I just do all one word. Uh, so that's the URL.test. So any folder in there, if you append .test to the end, then you'll go to the root, or you'll go to that folder. And if there's a index.php, for example, or index.html, it's going to show you that page even if there's not an i don't how does it do that actually demasi how does it you do know? what so there's not a index.php in a wordpress install it's wp-install.php and that's the page that i always see when i go there i think so that is some wordpress internal right on there's index.php but it also wow. points to a folder to a file deeper down in wordpress when when oh, there is an index.php i never looked for that okay yep is there yeah. Uh, but what it tells the um, what well, what it tells the web server is where to locate stuff at. That's how how it tells you you know where stuff is. So it points to the blog header.php. When WordPress detects that there's not a database, uh, you know the site isn't set up. That's where you get that that initial install. Yeah. Uh, if you were to copy that URL that you land at, which I forget exactly what what it is. I used to know it. Uh, and you put it into an already existing site that has been been set up, um, you will get a this site is already set up uh, notification. But that's kind of a default routing for WordPress is, is, is part of the boot process in WordPress. Uh, but if you were to, let's say, create a folder called, mm, I don't know, technically working, for example, mm -hmm. and just drop an HTML file in there, uh, it, it would you probably need to put an index.html file but uh, if you were to drop an html file in there it would just render out the html file yeah. as a standard file yeah. 
It's cool. I, and and it, I think the setup for, process for her took less than five minutes. I've I've done NAMP, I think is how you say it. Man. Whatever that one is on Windows where you got to go install Apache, then you got to go change these modifications and stuff and, and do this and do that. Herd just works. Now, if you are a Windows user, uh, Herd is Mac only. I don't remember what the active tools are that are similar to Herd on Windows now. Uh, so just go buy a Mac and uh, <laughs> get the M3 Macs and you'll be happy. Uh, you probably can get by with the M3 Pro, to be honest. You can get by with an M2, just saying, on an Air. I, I, that's what I'm using. Yeah, yeah. So on Windows, I do believe that Laravel Valet is possible to use on Windows with the... Uh, with WSL so uh, okay. that's an option do do some research on that and there probably are some other tools as well to build out an environment but yeah herd is Mac only um, Laravel does work on Windows on that much I do know I've seen people talking about it uh, and you know there's also potential to use a virtual machine or something like that but yeah herd is you know look this is why I can't leave the Mac right things like this show up on the Mac that is like you go looking for it on Windows and there's like there's not an equivalent now there probably is something if you know something hey we're on Macedon uh, we have an email address we'll give you all that at the end of the show we're not to the end of the show yet but we're out here you can tell Taylor us about has it. one I, she's told me several times and I always forget so there is one out there that's similar but uh, but I never was into any sort of web development when I was still on Windows. And honestly, a lot of the web developers I knew and people that kind of got me interested in WordPress development and, and web development in general were Mac users. Uh, so they were always telling me about this stuff. And then, of course, you know, shout out to Rogue Amoeba. And that domain for people is MacAudio.com. Uh, if you're trying to get .net. You did. Yeah, uh, but you know, shout out to Rogue Amoeba because they also keep me on the Mac. Uh, if they were to ever listen, if they would make a Linux app, I might go try desktop Linux. So <laughs> I'm not even playing. Like, you know what, Mac OS, you're really annoying me today. I'm gonna install Linux. I'm done. Uh, but yeah, so Herd is a really amazing tool. The issues I've run into, I think, is because of the fact that I um, I had Laravel installed and I just kind of you know installed herd over that it did a migration um, i think somewhere in the mix either i mixed something up or there was a bug i don't know but i went back to hmm. laravel a couple of days ago because it was driving me nuts that new sites i was adding into herd were not showing up uh, i was getting a 502 gateway error and rather than waste the time going down the rabbit hole trying to sort it out i just said hey i'll stop herd I'll start Laravel Valet, which I had to go back and reinstall because it wasn't installed anymore. And I'll see if it works. And it worked with the new site that was sitting there. And I was like, all right, well, you know, this is what I'm doing until I wipe my machine, which is going to happen sometime in the next couple of weeks. I almost did it at six o'clock my time today. Um, then I was like, <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. I would have, one, forgot to export my um, session here. That is backing off, backing us up in audio hijack, which I uh -huh. need to do. You forgot to do that too, huh? Yep, sure did, sure did. And Mike just threw a blind shield on the floor. <laughs> no, no, it's actually a, a radio, but yeah. Um, it, or or you would have got stuck on that damn activation screen. 
So I still have a hub dock here with Ethernet. So okay. I would have got okay. past that. Yeah. But that is a major problem. So PSA for anybody using voiceover on the Mac, on a, in, on a Apple Silicon Mac yep. uh, specifically, because I don't recall actually having this problem on the Intel Mac. I don't think I did. I, I don't think I did. But I to be fair, I haven't set up an Intel Mac in a while. I yep. think possibly the last couple of times I did do it, I had Ethernet wired in too. Uh, so who knows? Uh, and it could also be an OS thing as well. But just be aware, if you're resetting your machine, you're wiping the entire computer and, and reinstalling Mac OS, when you come up on that screen, if you do not have Ethernet available to you, you're going to have some issues trying to get to the Wi-Fi menu as it stands today. Um, I believe accessibility at apple.com has been made aware of this problem oh, they have by me and uh jason encountered it last week too so he reached out to them and uh wasn't too happy either yeah i, I would be super annoyed because that that ruins the experience right one of the things that was so exciting about taking a mac out of the box for the first time for me and for a lot of people who are screen reader users the fact we didn't need anybody's help to get that yep. computer set up yeah and they've ruined that for me well Full transparency, they did not ruin the out-of-box experience because the Mac hasn't been activated. So I, I, from what I remember, you don't have to – maybe you do, actually. I don't know. Huh. What's your – Well, so my thought is if you pull a Mac out of the box, does it make you go through that activation screen or do you only have to go through that activation screen when you reset the Mac? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think you still have to because you have to connect to the internet before you can get do through anything. the setup process. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, yeah, I'm not going to get into the philosophical background behind that, but let's say I buy a Mac because I just want to use a Mac, but I don't have internet. Is that how does that work? Hmm. Good question. Good question. I have no idea because I don't if know. If you know, let us know. <laughs> yeah, because that, that, that's an interesting. I mean, it begs the question, too, like, why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. hey, if you paid the money for it, you should pay to use it how you want to is, 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 is a large part of our argument. I did use Ira, though, so um, it, it's not ideal. I did use Ira, and the lady helped me, told me where I needed to drag my finger across the trackpad. And then when I found, when she's like, oh, right there, nope, back to the left a little bit, oh, right there. And then I clicked it, and then once that I clicked that Wi-Fi network, I was able to just use my arrow keys and then navigate just fine. So if you can get to that Wi-Fi network uh, list, then you're good to go. Good and this to go. was never an issue for me in the past. That I remember because I was always hardwired in with the Mac Mini. I think I I ran into this issue last holiday season because I decided to reset my Mac and I wasn't hardwired then. But at that point, I just brought the Mac Mini out from my room, plugged it into the router, and then went and did what I needed to do and didn't really think about it. Well, you can't just, unless you have an adapter, go plug your MacBook into the router because there's no Ethernet port on them. So another win for Ethernet is what I hear you saying. See, this is yep. why you want to be hardwired in, man. You know, stability, stability. But yeah, they do need to do something about that. If anybody from, uh, I don't know, 
I don't know if anybody wants to send me free stuff to test out. Uh, we'll talk about it on the show because we're huge. Oh, here's a topic I did want to talk to you about. Possibly two topics, but one I did want to bring up because it's, it's kind of top of mind and also slightly forgot what the other thing was. So All right. have you been looking at the YouTube situation with podcasts? Nope. Okay. So uh, I can give some background on it All and right. then we can kind of discuss pros and cons of putting our show over there. So one thing that came to me here recently, and it kind of, you know, one is is something I think you're going to have to consider on a much broader scale, but starting with our show. So we got stats earlier this year that says YouTube is the most popular podcast player, right? And by all accounts, you know, from listening to people, they go to YouTube and listen to podcasts. Uh, this is what you they and do. I both are like, what do you mean they go to YouTube <laughs> to listen to podcasts? I don't think that's true. And then we started talking to people and they're like, yeah, I go to YouTube and get my podcast. Like, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's how that went. <laughs> so I think actually the second most popular is where, where it was. Uh, Apple still dominates that space a little bit, I think. Or at least at the time that this came out. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. So now, Google on Android has had Google Podcasts uh, for what it's worth. They had a podcast app on their platform, just like Apple has a podcast app on their platform. I don't use either one of them, but they were there, right? Out of the box, you got a podcast app. They announced that they were getting rid of Google Podcasts. And now things are going to YouTube uh, for podcasts now initially here's the so here's the original problem as far as i understand it some of this i may not have correct because i'm kind of taking it third hand i didn't go read the article uh, but initially with youtube people you in order for your show to be on youtube as a podcast or show up in that new podcast tab or whatever it looks like. i don't go to youtube so i don't know how it looks but in order for your show to show up as a podcaster, you will have to do the thing that we have occasionally done where you publish your episode to YouTube uh, mm-hmm. with a waveform on it if you're not doing a video podcast. And YouTube will figure out it was a podcast. You would probably tag it as such. And then, you know, people could find your podcast there or listen to your podcast. Right. But they didn't have a way for you to add an RSS feed, right? So even though they're killing Google Podcasts, when they made the announcement that Google Podcasts is going away, hey, at least they gave you plenty of warning people. Um, there was not at that time a way for me as a podcast listener to say, hey, I want to subscribe to Technically Working in YouTube uh, and add the podcast uh, feed, right? That kind of still doesn't seem like it's possible, but what they are giving you the ability to do as a podcast publisher is take your feed and add it to YouTube yourself so that people can find your show there. Okay. Okay. Now. I need to investigate this. Here's the rub. I'm not surprised you're doing this the way that they're doing it, but they are going to kind of do what I think Spotify was doing too which is they're going to download your show and put it on YouTube. So it's not like I can go subscribe to unmute, for example, in YouTube myself by grabbing the RSS feed. You first need to go put the show in YouTube and then I can find it on YouTube and add it to my, you know, whatever. Yeah. Subscribe list. Your, your subscribe podcast. Also, does that mean you only get one download for YouTube's? Well, see, that was the thing that I was bitching about when I heard this, because I'm like, that is seriously going to squash numbers for people. right? Yep. YouTube is going to yank this. That's a download. 
where do I get the stats for the people that listen to my show on YouTube? Are they going to give you those? And if they do give them to you, it's still yet another place to go check for your statistics, though. It's not going to be aggregated the way it is through Pinecast for us right now. Right. Unless Matt builds that in or any other, you know, current um, feed aggregator, you know, it's not going to, you know, Blurberry lips and like you're not going to get your stats there like you do for direct downloads through podcast apps. So it creates that problem for the podcasters. Um, the other side of this, which I don't care about because I would never and I say never and I don't I've gotten older. I'm a, I'm a much more mature, wiser person. But this is one of these scenarios where I can categorically say I would never do this. So this would never affect me if you happen to be one of these people. Yes, you one of these people who has a podcast and you have dynamically inserted ads. They're going to strip your ads out. They're going mm. not happening. Now, it seems to be that's only dynamically inserted ads, not if you have, you know, host read ads or embedded ads, right? It seems to be dynamically inserted ads, which I understand the value. And also, I understand that there is a, a potential usefulness for dynamic inserted ads because you could give me an ad about the car dealership here in Tuscaloosa when I'm listening to your show versus me getting an ad about a car dealership in Portland, Oregon, right? Yep. But it's done wrong. It's kind of like one of those things. I don't necessarily like it anyway, but I also came up listening to podcasts when all the podcasts, as I heard at least, were read by the hosts. Um, and most of the people I listen to have integrity about what they will give, you know, do advertisements for as well. But with that being said, also, I feel like the implementation is wrong because they insert the ads in very random, weird places yes. and it cuts yeah. off stuff like that. It, the, the implementation, whether I agree with the the sentiment behind it or not, the implementation of it is terrible. Uh, but anyway, YouTube is going to strip those out. So there goes your money there um, for us. And I, I initially said, well, I'm not going to put my show up there on YouTube. And I said, you know, I'll wait and let somebody else do it. And I'll talk to them, see how their experience was and then decide whether or not we want to do this. And then I decided we should investigate it and possibly just put our show up there because it does give us the ability to reach an audience that we're not going to get. Because as we sit here today, the biggest search engine in the world is Google.com. The second biggest search engine in the world is YouTube.com. Mm. Um. As for podcast hosts who are not aware of this, as of uh, February 13th, Google search carousels will stop showing podcast results, uh, which means that any of the analytics that you get from the podcastmanagers.google.com page will show that zero people are listening to your podcast. So Google recommends that you uh, download your historical data. And hello to the one person who subscribed to us on Google Podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, we appreciate you. Although you haven't listened, according to Google Analytics, to any of the most recent 10 episodes. But still, thank you. Thank you for being subscribed. Well, you probably won't hear this because by the time you go back, it'll be to, to find out that Google Podcasts is no longer existing right? on your platform. <laughs> so, uh, 
I was looking though to see if Matt had a direct integration with, like he does for publication to YouTube, and it looks like he because he has it for several other sites. If that's one of the things I really love about Pinecast. By the way, use the referral code in the show notes to get forty percent off your first four months of Pinecast if you're interested in starting. Which you can actually start your own podcast for free without even entering payment information. But Matt makes it really easy to throw in your podcast to different directories and a lot of times it's just one click but youtube is not on there he does still have google podcasts on there right now but yeah it'll probably get i I don't my sense is they haven't actually rolled this out yet that it's coming um but i I was just listening to a show where they were talking about and i was like huh and i kind of went through you know that whole little process of like i don't like it and then what about my stats first was the first thing I thought about. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do it. I'll wait and let Doys do it first. <laughs> uh, because he'll be out there first. With it. I was like, yeah, do- yep. Doys is going to go do it like right away as soon as it's developed, he's going to do it. He might have already done it. like If he can, yeah. If it, if, yeah. If, if it can already be done, he's already done it. Uh, and if yep. he hasn't done it yet, the fact that we're talking about it here means he's going to go and do it. Or at least investigate if he can do it. Yeah. I got from there to, you know, actually, we should probably look at doing it, too, because it does expand our audience. Yeah. Or give us that potential. I still am concerned about the stats. Uh, I am betting that Matt is going to in, in, uh, add this to Pinecast as a one-click thing, kind of like you can put your show on Amazon, I think, and Spotify yep. and Google yep. Podcast. So he'll probably add that. Um, still a bit concerned there about the analytics and, and statistics for downloads and all of that stuff if you're going to get that how that's going to work what google's going to offer there and if there'll be a potential to be able to integrate that so uh podcast hosts like pinecast lips and uh blurberry uh, i know there's some others out there that i'm not naming but those are the three that i know about and have used um transistor fm uh <laughs> yeah uh, like i said there are other ones out there yeah. but those are the three that i have used but any podcast host to be able to pull those numbers from youtube if your feed is in youtube to help aggregate your your mm-hmm. download numbers that that's going to be important but basically they're taking your audio they're doing what we have done um with Alphonic. Alphonic, yeah. And that that's effectively what Google is gonna do. But yeah, they're they're pulling your show into their directory or into their thing and then putting it on YouTube. But I'm not opposed to doing it. I am concerned about the numbers. It may sort itself out. It may not. It's Google. It also is probably going to change and they're going to release a whole new podcast app in twenty twenty six. So, oh, you yeah. know, I wouldn't really yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Um, but just something for people to be aware of and I started out wanting to talk about this when I, before we even sat down in the car, I was like, I'm going to talk about this and see how Mike feels about it and what he thinks and should we do it. Uh, all the way around to, yeah, we probably should do it uh, because it'll help. I am, I, I do have kind of, I think one of the reasons I was initially annoyed and I very quickly identified this is it makes me feel like I need to do, which I need to do marketing for my show anyway. That, that's mm-hmm. one thing. But mm-hmm. it makes me feel like I need to do something different or put in some type of extra effort or something for YouTube. Like now I feel like if it's going to be on YouTube, then I need to start, you know, uh, clipping. We need to start coming up with clips to pull out uh-huh. to make little shorts to, you know, like, you know, like not just, oh, let's tweet about it or not tweet, uh, post about it. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, 
get other people to talk about it on their podcast and reach a lot more people, you know, shout out to double tap. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, but I wonder if that's a thing that we really need to do differently at all. Uh, and it definitely isn't a concern. It's not a thing to worry about today, but I think it is a concern of mine of like, am I going to have to put in more effort here? Or is just coming up with good show notes, good transcripts going to help boost the numbers? And that's something I really am going to watch when we do move it over to or add it to YouTube, not move it to YouTube, add it to YouTube. This is additive. Yes, so if you're additive. listening, we're not moving. We're not selling out to YouTube. No, we're, we're not at all. Uh, so YouTube doesn't want us. You want to talk some numbers real quick? I can give you total download numbers. By the way, we're almost at a good milestone. Uh, do you want me to? Do you want me to throw some numbers? Sure. In real quick. Sure. Right, we can. We can maybe make this a regular occurring segment to let people know because I don't care about telling people how bad our numbers are. Uh, total downloads three thousand nine hundred eighty-eight. So twelve to go to until we have four thousand downloads. Last seven days is one hundred eighty-six. So people are listening to the show. But if we can grow that, that that those are some good base numbers to start with to to build awareness. And it would be interesting to see what YouTube does to those numbers and how that impacts. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's kind of where I arrived at. It's like, this could be good for us now to give people a little perspective. Yeah. Those numbers don't sound Mike said how bad our numbers are. I'm going to give you a little perspective here. Though. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do it. Give you a little perspective here. So first off, I'm going to say like the first 10 or 15 episodes of, of, of technically working, we were nowhere near a hundred. We, nope. we were, nope. we were on the low side of, of being past 50 downloads to show. Right. And we're near to 200 for the last seven days for the, for the last episode. Right. So that, that, that is some major growth in a couple of months, uh, in a few months, uh, we're near to 4,000 downloads, which means after this show publishes, we will have surpassed that number, which is awesome. Yep. In the entirety of its existence, <laughs> which spans, I don't know how many years because we took a year and a half break in the middle of it. We'll uh, say four, we'll say four years. We'll say four years. Cause we started in 17. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So call it four years. Um, from episode one to episode 100 when we retired that show and a couple of extra stone in there for you. I don't think we got anywhere near 4,000 downloads for uh, the DM series. I can tell you in a moment for sure. I think we, I think we did surpass 4,000. Um, I think we actually might've hit 5,000. I'll let you know here in a quick moment. Um, the total downloads on the DM series was, Okay, more than I thought, 6,993. In the last seven days, we've had two downloads. So thank you to whoever is listening to that show. You should I even stop. put it as, yeah, you should. I put it as an archived show in Pinecast so, so people know we're not publishing more content. But still, that's, that's 7,000 rounded up, 7,000 downloads in four years, and we are just about 4,000 downloads in less than a year. So for, it's all about perspective. It's about perspective, right? You know, so I, I feel that we're on the way, like we're, we're doing what we number wise. And again, this is why I, I seriously take the time. It's not a joke and it's not me trying to copy off and rip off anybody else's bit or anything like that. I, we, this is why we stop and thank everybody. And we try to remember to do it, uh, at the beginning of every show, because we do appreciate you listening, right? We would do this show if nobody listened, but we just wouldn't record it. It would just be a phone conversation, a series well, we of phone conversations. We might record it. I might not edit it. Or, you know, there, there's a lot of might nots happen there yeah, for sure. Yeah. It would be a series of conversations in a lot of cases. Uh, 
because sometimes I do wish the NSA would share some of the recordings of <laughs> conversations that we have had because it would have been excellent show content and neither one of us remembers what the hell we said when we sit out. But I, I think that, you know, again, that perspective, right? Yeah, we're a long way from where some people are. Mm-hmm. There are shows I listen to barely that probably are doing, you know, four or 5,000 downloads a week. If but not more. If like, not yeah. more. Like, there are some shows I know, yeah, they're doing way more, you know, 100,000 downloads a month, like, you know, which is huge numbers. But they had to start somewhere. And we started this show, you know, this show is less than a year old, and we're nearly to 4,000. Yeah. Which means and- we can get to 5,000 before the end of the year. We can. So you need to tell a friend. The other thing that I want to also bring up is I have always gone into it thinking I'm not going to make money with podcasting. Not going to, it's not going to profit me any money because ultimately it's, it's not unless you're doing a lot of different things. And maybe at some point we might get, get there, but I'm going into it looking at that in the entire time of those 6,900 downloads. When you look at it as perspective for the DM series, I don't think we made a penny. I don't, I don't think anyone contributed anything to that. And so this has been a different experience for both of us, I think. Yep. And as Mike said, like, dude, we're, we're, we're definitely going to do some different things around this show, including actually putting some muscle behind marketing stuff, Hmm. but (laughs) one step at a time. Right. And the most important thing I felt like for the two of us was to one, start the show because otherwise we would have kept figuring out, oh, well, we need to do this and we got to get that working. Like, and we never would have got the show going. I'm not going to lie. This is the honest to God's truth. Like, this is how this would have happened. So I was like, okay, well, we got a name. That's the, that's the main thing that held us up. Once we had a name, it's like, okay, well, let's just, you know, start. We'll, we'll, we'll go do a show. Right. And as was commented upon, thanks, Marty. Sounds like technically sounds like the DM series. Yeah, it did. But I had to start somewhere. Yep. The show has grown. The show is continuing to evolve. Uh, but one thing we have here that we did not have with the DM show is consistency. So we're kind of layering layer say that word for me, Mike. We're kind of Larry. (laughs) (laughs) We are laying the foundation here to continue building on this. And one of the parts of that foundation was consistency. Over the course of the the year, since we started technically working, um, we have had conventions. We have had uh, Mike traveling for other reasons. We've had me sick. Uh, yeah. We've had a lot of get, stuff going get on. Himself COVID, <laughs> uh, but we have not missed a publication date. Nope, we have not missed a Monday since we started the show. And with the DM series, oh, if I had COVID, oh, we just ain't recording for a couple of yeah. weeks. Or Mike, yeah. we're doing conventions in the summer, and we got to work. Oh, we ain't okay, have we'll no pick show. back up in September. Uh huh. Yep. 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 That would have been the the mindset of it. So we're building a foundation. We're layering it up. And that I still can't say that word. Uh, Larry, Larry, (laughs) what's the the foundation of that word? Layer, layering. Is that even a word? Layering. I I can't do it. I'm done. (laughs) And there's our TikTok clip. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. But we're building a foundation and we're starting where we knew we needed to start, which was consistency and getting the thing done. 
Uh, we'll continue building on this, and we appreciate everybody that has come along so far on this journey. No, this is not a. This is, we're not going away. We're still here. No, we're, no. we're going to well pass, and we're not going to shut it down at a hundred either, Jeff. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, yeah. We're, we we can't shut it down at a hundred, Demasi. We can't shut it down at a hundred. <laughs> nope, we're not. We're 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 still going, but we're building up a foundation. We started where we needed to start at, and we're going to continue building. And I truly appreciate everybody that has been along for the journey right now whether you were there from the beginning thanks marty we appreciate it uh as well as everybody else i'm calling out marty because i do know marty listened to episode one and then yep. he gave me initial feedback it sounded like your other show <laughs> yeah i know man we know, we know. That was the, that, thanks that was Doris the plan. and taylor for for making an appearance on the other show and then coming and uh giving us support and and i think let's talk next week one of us will make a note about it, about some of the ideas we have for the show, because we've talked about wanting to bring other people on the show. We've talked about wanting to do technically working content with, with other folks. We, we for once actually did do a show. Were they on technically working or were they on unmute? They were on unmute, weren't they? Who? Steven and Sean. Uh, they were on unmute. We have not yeah, had we, them on technically we, working we yet. will, but yeah. Well, we had so Sean, we'll talk, we had Sean on technically working with Jeff. Uh, that's right. So, so what I was saying is true. We we had never brought other guests in on the DM series, and technically working, we've already brought guests on, and I think that's going to evolve over the next couple of months. And uh, Demasi, I don't, I didn't realize this. We've actually only been doing this for nine months. I thought it was longer than that. Nope, we started uh, March, I think. Yeah. Nope, mid-February, it feels Mid-Feb, like. yeah. yeah. So, thank everybody that's been on the journey, whether you just joined or you were here from the beginning, and we hope you continue it on, because we are going to do more of this type of stuff, too. Like, Mike threw out the numbers. We don't care. Being transparent about it. There are some things you're not going to find out, because it ain't your business. <laughs> but, when it comes to us building up this show, and you know what we're doing inside of our businesses and we're going to get to more of that sort of content too. Uh, there's actually a topic I really want to discuss with Mike, but I don't want to ambush him with it on the show because he may not actually want to talk about it yet. Uh, tune in next week and tell a friend to tune in too. <laughs> yeah. Or just grab their phone and just subscribe them yeah. and uh, subscribe them on YouTube. They probably watch YouTube anyway. Just, well, we'll get it in. YouTube. We need to be on YouTube first. Don't tell we, them to do that. We do need to be on YouTube. So don't go subscribe. If you find it technically working there today, it's not us. Uh, I will outsource Ben to create me a technically working YouTube channel. Oh, man. You have to make you. a channel or. I, I see. That's what I don't know. Uh, because I literally just heard the news about this today. Now the show that okay. I heard it on was from last week, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know any of those details yet. I, I had to process it, and I processed myself all the way up to the point that we needed to do it before we started recording. Had I been in the frame of mind I was when I first heard about it, though, I would still just be convincing about my numbers and what are they doing? And they're always doing <laughs> some stuff in YouTube. Uh, my daughter called me out because I said a curse word. Ah. daddy you said a cuss word i'm sorry it's okay it's it's, it's youtube though i have to but know <laughs> google is doing stuff to me and i don't like it uh oh yeah. update i did migrate everything back over to google workspace so uh yeah that's done so if you want to reach out to us <laughs> so 
Has your admin let you use passkeys? Oh, no, you you were already using passkeys. Uh, my admin has let me use passkeys on That's my good. workspace account. I wish my other admin would actually let me use passkeys on my account. <laughs> but, you know, I got to talk to him about that. I should actually talk to him about making me an admin on that, on that particular instance. Because, uh, you know, management, man. Management, security. <laughs> anyway. So, again, truly, thank you for listening. Uh, stay tuned because things are going to continue to evolve and we will be transparent. This is why it's technically working because we are working technically all technically. the time. Yeah. So it never ends. It never ends. That's the whole point of this show. See, the guy just gave you the point that it never stops ever. Man, I'm listening to people hitting a thousand episodes on their show or getting close to a thousand. I'm like, yeah, you know, it'll probably take us about 10 years or we'll get there. Well, actually, probably more than 10 years. Like, yeah. yeah, we do an episode every week, so definitely more than 10 years. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. You can reach out to us. He is on Mastodon at payon at unmute.community. That's P-A-Y-O-W-N at unmute.community. I'm Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E at unmute.community. And um, the email address you can send the email to is uh, feedback at technicallyworking.show. Ah, ah, okay. Does that work? <laughs> it is going to work by the time people hear this. Okay, there you go. I'm just going to set up technically working dot show. There's nothing there. Nope, but... there's no site there yet. Again, we're working on it. It's, it's coming. We're building up layers, man. I got stuff to do. See, I can say layer, so maybe Larry Ring Ring is not a Larry, word. La- <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I quit. Uh, feedback at tech. Yeah, I know there was a different email address I gave you last time. Yes, I know. I know. But um, Mike broke that one because I'll never get the emails. So we're fixing it. We're fixing it right now. Feedback. Sure, not found. <laughs> Feedback at technicallyworking.show, and uh, we'll catch up with you guys next week. All right.